0: Hi, everybody. Welcome to Synths to Samples. Keep it under control, the uh, 130 panel here at SF Music Tech. I'm your moderator, David Downs. I write about electronic music for the San Francisco Examiner, and I also cover music apps for Billboard Magazine in addition to a lot of other freelance work, and I'm always available for more, so get at me after the panel if you guys have any ideas. You guys are really lucky today. You got Tony McCall here from Ableton on your left, and Peter Nybor from Livid Instruments on your right, and I'm just going to go ahead and introduce them and steal their jobs, basically, which is Tony's a managing director for North America based out of L.A. for Ableton. And Peter Nybor is a software specialist or software director for Livid Instruments based out of San Jose. Livid Instruments makes amazing musical hardware audio performance uh, hardware as well as for production, and he's brought a couple units here today. And uh, I think everybody knows that Ableton makes pretty much the most popular live audio performance software suite available, as well as now they're doing hardware with uh, Ableton Push. Is that an accurate characterization? So, Tony, you were telling me backstage that you're really busy managing growth right now Mm -hmm. at Ableton. Tell me uh, why Ableton's growing and and how.
1: Historically, the the sort of the core... Uh, user demographic for Ableton has, has been the electronic musician but Ableton is designed in a genre agnostic fashion and I think that um, just as it, as it continues to evolve in the world of music you see these other genres that are embracing it. It's also become quite popular in the university in the academic realm so that's another area that we're seeing a lot of, of growth.
0: And uh, Peter, well, I had, I had one extra question for you on, on Ableton um, about it, or, or its growth, which was do you guys have any metrics for how well Ableton's doing the number of installs are out there, or sales, or how do you quantify the growth at Ableton we,
1: uh, yeah, installation
0: We can see how many people have installed the software, and that
1: kind of gives us an idea
0: when I talk to dj's the number one program they're using live if they're doing you know just they're not Mixing CDs or CDJs or doing Serato is Ableton. Are you guys the number one audio live performance software? That, is there any I way mean, to measure I, that? I
1: don't know if there is a way to measure that necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, you know the. I guess you know if you look in the in the DAW world in general, there's you know it depends on who you're talking to. Some uh, it seems Pro Tools sort of is is still sort of the dominant DAW, but one of, you know one of the unique things about Ableton is that it appeals both to the studio musician in the DAW aspect and then to the live performer mm-hmm. as well so I don't I mean I guess to answer your, answer your question I don't have any, a specific answer for that but um, we, do, we do ourselves measure it by we can see the trends via installation
0: and then it's almost like the fact that they're teaching it in schools almost as a default like you have to learn Ableton if you want to get graduate from a lot of you know, music production, DJ, schools now, right? Correct.
1: I, I, would, I, I mean, it becomes a part of the core curriculum for those schools. And then I think even in some of the traditional environments where you might have had a traditional lab where maybe, it, it, you know, Pro Tools was sort of the, the center or Logic, Ableton is, is growing there dramatically. And I think it is because, again, it bridges that world between performance and studio.
0: And you got 140 employees in Berlin and nine out here in the mm-hmm. U.S.? Yes, Peter, Livid's a little bit smaller, 15 employees, around since 2004, but you guys are thriving too, uh, making your own gear in the U.S., which seems, is that correct?
2: Yes. Well, we do, like I explained, we do sort of a hybrid model.
0: So we get a lot of our electronic stuff,
2: we outsource that, get that done overseas, we get boards that are populated, we also get a lot of parts, of course, because you're not going to get a potentiometer in the United States.
3: But besides
2: that, in our shop in Austin, we do metalwork, we do woodwork, because a lot of our controllers have wood end caps, and we've done a lot of stuff with wood bodies. And we do powder coating, screen printing, and we do assembly of a lot of custom pieces and low-volume pieces. We have a whole DIY line so people can build their own controllers. That's kind of where we came from in the first place. We started making really small-volume, hand-built controllers, and then we started doing more manufactured things. But our heart is always DIY, and it helps inform a lot of what we do. Whenever we come out with a controller, people are like, oh, I wish I had more knobs over here, or why don't you have this? And it's like, can you just take a hacksaw to of this part? And it's like, no, it doesn't really work that way. But we've developed you know, ways that people can actually build up the controllers that they're really interested in, from the very granular level of soldering each component to just taking sort of pre-built miniature interfaces and assembling them all in sort of a rack. So to give you an idea, if you're not familiar with... I do have this controller, which is one of our latest things. And so I think it's... I'm going to give you this demo that's completely non-musical. It just kind of shows you all the lights blinking. And that in and of itself is kind of cool. <laughs> you know, and, and and I think what that, what that tells you is that, that we have a measure of interface and a measure of response on the controller that is separate from the computer, and that helps mediate, you know, what you do when you're
0: performing live. Um, when so. did uh, base come out?
2: Uh, it came out, I guess it started shipping in March of in this March? year. Yeah.
0: Um, how's the reception back? been oh, so far are. for base? Uh, it's been great. How do you gauge that? By our back orders.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and it's back orders? Uh, not at this point, no. Okay. We've caught up with our orders. But, you know, we were initially... Um, we launched it at Nam and got a lot of great press and a lot of great response. And, and there's also sort of a gauge of, like, you know, people... I, you know, I think it's funny because like Ableton and us, we, Ableton's in the hardware business, They prior to the push, they had something called the APC40, and we've always been kind of riding this very similar wave, the APC40. We came into, I think it was Nam 2007, and we had plans for our OM64 controller, which was very similar to the APC40. We walk on the floor and we're like, oh, this is going to be so great because no one else is doing this. The first thing we see on the floor is the APC40, and we're just about to kill ourselves. But it turned out to be really good because it was part of a conversation. You know, if, if we weren't out, if we were just trying to tell the wilderness, like, hey, we got this cool thing, you know, having Ableton, you know, telling the, telling a really similar story, but in a different vein, a, a community. Yeah, yeah, it creates community, it creates discussion, creates haters, creates lovers, you know, and same thing with the base, you know, like we came out with the base, which is, you know, has an array of pressure sensitive. These are, you know, like drum pads, so they sense pressure. You know it has a measure of you know continuous control for filters and things like that. The push again has very similar controls superficially it has pressure sensors it has encoders for controlling filters and things like that but they're divergent in their philosophies and um, you know enable sort of a whole panorama
0: of music making possibilities and just sort of digital media possibilities too um tony uh ableton's stayed out of hardware up until now, mm-hmm. and now you're getting into hardware with The Push, which came out spring this year. Yes. Um, what kept Ableton out of hardware up until now? What made now the right time to, to get in? I think, that's a, I think the more and more that Ableton became
1: so the live, became the instrument that a lot of musicians were playing, um, that it made sense to have something like that, a tactile surface that you could... I thought... Oh. Okay. Tactile service that you could actually play that instrument with. And so I think that's one of the that was one of the 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 motivators there. Um, you know, as Peter mentioned, we had there was the APC forty and and the launch pad and uh, we you know with APC forty we we worked um, with Akai and advised them, but it really was Akai's Akai's piece. And what's different with push is that we designed that and they did. Then we leveraged their engineering capabilities to actually deliver that, which I think was wise because, as I'm sure Peter will attest, uh, making your own hardware is no small feat. Yeah, just um, ask
0: Microsoft with the Zune. Ex- exactly. <laughs> and then you had
1: or others. You, you had others with, you know, for example, with Novation with the Launchpad, where they just kind of went, you know, about doing it on their own, mm-hmm. and then afterwards we sat down and sort of discussed how we could work that out. Um, <laughs> Helping them. But again, I think, you know, the thing is, is that with all of these devices, the more and more that um, the software becomes playable, and that is definitely the case with Live, that it is, a, you know, it's a, it's a software that you can play like an instrument. These are so relevant.
0: That just, you know, makes me wonder, is integration the future here of software and hardware um, for companies like you and um, Livid? I mean that's like the In, mantra of Apple, and now even Microsoft is embracing, you know, software hardware integration. Um, are is, are you thinking more along that lines, or are you, are you thinking, oh, this has been awful. We're never doing this again.
1: No, 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 no. No, <laughs> no, uh, no I, I don't. Uh, I don't know if we necessarily have like a, a plan like that, like this yeah. big uh, conquer the world. Um, that's one of the. There's I think not going to be any Ableton retail stores coming to. No, <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Coming to your mall soon. Yeah. Um, no, I think the thing is, is that um, you know, one of the things about Ableton that's really refreshing, and it, and it, that starts with Gerhard, is that it really is always back to the musician, to the user, mm-hmm. and so I think it's constantly looking at how we can serve the musician, the user, the artist that uses our. Uh, our software and our hardware, and so although we definitely, it, it, we're you know they're smart. They're looking at what you know, listening to the users. It's it, that's a lot you know where we get a lot of our feedback is from our users. It's not that we sit in a, you know some dark cellar somewhere and dream up all these cool ideas. And I think that's why it's also very successful when they do when they do come out. It's not always successful, but but for the most part.
0: How is um, the push doing since it's push
1: launched? Push has been super successful.
0: How do you gauge that?
1: Well, we've been backordered since I think this week. This week is uh, we actually got out of our backorder. Congratulations, so, thank you. <laughs> I think. Well, I just I kind of want to speak to the integration issue
2: too, and it's like that for us. It's integration's really big because we deliver a blank slate. You know, this has the only the only thing on here are some sort of very cursory numbers that sort of help like more than anything else help us service the unit. So it's like what pad are you having a problem with and you can say oh pad then the first column and we know which one you're talking about because our philosophy is sort of we don't have a software that this is mated with this works with you know any any software we have with very sort of open slate idea whether you know we want people you doing uh live video people doing lighting people doing audio you know it's all sort of to us it's like it's it's all digital, it's all kind of the same thing. We came from a video background and live live video, and, and then we sort of moved into the audio world. So that's always informed us, like, well, how is this going to be useful for the, the digital artist? And so integration is extremely important to us, but it's also something we we like to just, you know, release these things as blank pieces of paper because there are a lot of people out there who are willing to engage them as... You know, as sort of a blank slate. A lot of people do want to just plug it in and look at the video and look online and learn how we think it should be used. Um, but then there's also a lot of people who have their own ideas, and we want to accommodate that. So,
1: but just on the integration, I mean, that's that's kind of the difference between Push and what you would see with the living controllers. Is that Push is highly integrated for Ableton Live. Yeah. Although you you know you can put it into a user mode and it becomes a blank slate it's
0: just it's not it's nowhere near what you would get with one of the livid devices so i see a lot of electronic music artists using this stuff and you were mentioning that it's you know goes beyond ableton use goes beyond edm um but i am wondering how the sort of alleged rise of electronic dance music here in the late later part of this decade, or the earlier part of this new decade, rather, has affected your business? Have you rode the EDM wave, so to speak, uh, more people selling their guitars and buying MIDI controllers? Yeah,
1: I would Yeah, I would say so, definitely. I think that, uh, particularly here in the U.S., I mean, you can obviously see that with a lot of our retail partners, how they, you know, in their, their marketing to, uh, you know, customers, to their customers, to potential customers, I mean they definitely, you know, EDM or electronic music has become a focus for them. And, you know, I definitely, we, we could feel it too. You know, there was a, a pretty big gap between 8 and 9, the release of the uh, versions of the software. Yeah. Usually when software comes out, you have a big spike, and then it kind of tails off, you hit a plateau, and then you have another release and a plateau. And we actually saw... The, the spike and then down like this and then just kind of up like that. And I don't think it's entirely attributed to that, but that probably definitely is a factor in particular here in, in the U.S.
2: Well, it's, it's hard for us to say because, you know, we know our customers like sort of on a personal level rather than a demographic level. We're, you know, being much smaller, you know, we tend to, you know, I tend to have more conversations and I don't really think about like, oh, did this guy, you know, like you said, sell his guitar and pick this up? Um, you know, and anecdotally, I can't say that that's really been the case, um, but I think that's also perhaps where we're coming from, is that we're definitely not the first choice for the entry-level user, you know, which is kind of unfortunate, but it's, you know, just sort of the nature of the of the beast, you know, the way that we produce instruments and the way we sort of position them. Um, someone who, who did just put down their guitar isn't probably going to pick up one of our instruments, though
0: I do feel like they very well could. <laughs> So you've just had this steady uh, interest from people who who want to be experimental. Yeah,
2: people, you know, people who, you know, are looking for something different from electronic media is what it comes down to or digital media. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and and again, that is largely audio. Um, But, you know, a lot of people are like who a lot of our fans, you know, their their point is that they, you know, it's like they want to be able to diverge from what other people are doing. And
0: we kind of have a little bit more friendly platform towards doing that. You've been around since 2004. How long has Ableton been around? 99. 99. Yeah. During your guys' lifespan, the business's lifespan, we've seen the total rise to dominance of the iOS platform um, on mobile and tablets. And more people are using those uh, devices to dabble in music production than ever, even if it's just as a sort of toy, whether it's like a Smule music app. To, um, I mean, I think Akai does a hardware device that. Puts your iPad in a sort of MPC and you can bang on it and use the iPad. Tell me about your perspective, seeing the rise of iOS and your thoughts about confronting that rise, co opting it, moving parallel with it, um, hating it'll mm-hmm. let i 'll let Peter go first
2: yeah so i I think there's a certain initially there was sort of the thought like, oh this is going to kill controllers because you can do anything on an iPad that you can do with a you know with one of our devices. you know you can make your own sliders on screen you can you know, was make there, knobs. And was there an like emergency that. meeting? Like, we're going to die. No, no, not really. I think you, you, there was sort of that perception on the outside maybe or that was that conversation happened when those things came out. But for us, we were never really concerned because we, we uh, you know, I hope we do. We understand the importance of what we do. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things is tactility. Um, you know, when you hit this, you know you hit it. Um, you know where it is and it's always going to be there. Um, and there's also the surety and latency. You know, there's initially there was a, quite a bit of latency, probably not so much with uh, newer versions. Um, but you know, you've all used your phones and you click on something and you thought you were going to go someplace and you didn't end up there. And you can't have that in a live performance. And the other important thing about this is that you know you can work on it. And I can I know that I'm using this far right slider and I'm looking at everybody. You know, because my finger is going into this. Position that is fixed in space you can't do that with an iPad, so we've definitely had users who were performing with iPads and eventually gave them up for that very reason so there's that issue the other the other thing is like um, just sort of the integrating our controllers with other with iOS stuff would be great but you know if there's any iOS developers out there um, you know make your stuff more MIDI uh, open <laughs> you know make it so that you you know whatever you can do in your iOS app Make it so that you can control that stuff with MIDI, so you know people like us can control it with our controllers, which we may prefer to the screen.
1: I think you know we've even for the most part, we've embraced it. there's a We have a lot of you know friends of Ableton that have created interesting uh, devices to control the software um, in live performance and um, make that sort of a part of the ecosystem. Maybe you have uh, you know that and, and a livid controller or a push. So we've embraced it. I think for us, there's also another part of that equation, and that is um, how does it factor into the software? And I think you know, that's something that we, we were discussing earlier is that it, it, it makes sense if there's something that you could do at this stage of the game, productive, that then you can take back and integrate into, into live. And so you know, that's kind of where we're at from the software perspective at this, at this stage of the game.
2: Yeah, because I think with your software, you can be so incredibly productive, mm-hmm. you know, and to try to reduce that or emulate it, to, you know, to a, a, a little, in, yeah. to a much less capable yeah. device is just kind of like, well, that's not really a direction. You need to do exactly. something that's going to, like, either complement what you do or, you know, work alongside it, you know, mm-hmm. but it's just never going to be anything that...
0: I'm envisioning, like, an Ableton sketch for iOS. Where... Mm-hmm. No. No? Nothing? <laughs> no. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, how many
2: sample trigger, you know, apps are out there? Like, you know, for us, it's like a lot of times when we have product design meetings, you know, sometimes we'll come up with things that are like DJ mixers or whatever. And, you know, it's like we look at it and we're like, well, this problem has been solved. You know, Mm -hmm. Look look at what Native Instruments offers. You know, they have like these DJ mixers with integrated sound cards and it integrates with their really nice DJ software like we don't need... There's no problem. (laughs) You know, it's like, sure, we'd like to flatten them, but, you know, it's not going to happen there, you know. We're going to have to... (laughs) We're going to have to look forward and, you know, um, try and imagine, you know, a newer way of of working
0: with music or a more engaging way of working with music. Tony, do you have the sense that um, these down-and-dirty iOS devices are acting as, like, a gateway drug or a gateway device to, like, getting into Ableton?
1: Um, Probably. I would imagine that they would. I think that people... um, you know, because it's you know affordable, and somebody can get into that. And then um, you know, I'm sure people buy those and use use the app, and then forget about it. I mean, I do. I have got <laughs> 20, 20 apps that I don't use. Yeah. Um, you it know, mostly
2: they make me want to want more. Right. You, know? <laughs> you want more, and then
1: I think the people that stick with it, then they they want to know what else is out there, and um, you know, who do I listen to, and what is uh, inspires me, and what are they using, and I think that's you know, probably drives them as well to to investigate other things.
0: Well, then, I mean, that brings up a question for me. Is there is there any apps that you do use? I mean, I don't want you to have to talk up to a, a competitor, but are you impressed by any sort of music production apps that you've messed around with uh, lately or, or you actually keep around? I haven't personally worked with anything for a long
2: time because... Mm-hmm. I mean, right now I, I'm in front of my. I work from home. I'm in front of my computer all the time. I'm not a very mobile person in that uh-huh. regard. So, like, why would I bother? But on occasion, I have checked out a few things, and yeah, it's like I try to like, you know, on a, when my wife and I went to France a few years ago, like I had I don't know some music making apps, and you know, it was like okay, I'm gonna bust out a track during this flight, and it was fun, you know. But ultimately, the track was kind of like okay, well, I can't mix it, I can't master it, I can't export it. It's like, it's just kind of a fun little wave file in the end. It's a toy. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I
1: think the the basic memo recorder on the iPhone <laughs> was like a cool app because, you, you know, I've run into more people that that's what they do is they hum their idea into that. Yeah. And then when they go back, they put it in. And one clever thing that I've, I have saw, or actually I've seen it a handful of times now, was where they do that and then they use the audio-to-midi conversion in, the, in our software to convert that into a midi line so you could hum a bass line into your your, you know, your And you don't iPhone. even have to sound it out on the bass. Yeah, you just, just like, a, here's the idea, and put it back in is. and convert it. And
0: Assuming you can sing in tune. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. um, the other big trend over the last 15 years has been the rise of social, for lack of a better word. Um, how is Livid using social? If at all, leveraging social. Well, I mean, we leveraging. use it to
2: communicate our, to our customers, that's for sure. Um, Is that working?
0: Yeah, it works.
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, we're able to reach people. Um, you know, we're a bootstrap operation, and our money gets sunk into these things, you know? Like, we don't have a big advertising buy that we can do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, you know, as far as, like, the the journalism aspect, there's not a whole lot of print things that speak directly to what we're doing, so there's not really that opportunity um, it's mostly just like trying to create an engaging story. People want to pick up the story um, and then be able to communicate with our users about what's happening. So, you know, we try to make our Twitter, mostly on Twitter and Facebook, we just try to make them relevant. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, we post cultural items. Um, you know, that's one of the things I like to do is like find something, you know, that's cool. That's, it may or may not have something to do with Livid. It's just like, this is an interesting thing that's happening in electronic music. Check it out. You know, as as you would on your friend feed for, you know, anybody else. Um, you know, but then we have sales or new products. We yeah, I've seen bundle sales. And yeah, like and when, but also, like, we keep people in touch with how we develop our products, you know. As we're making a product, like, you can see, like, oh, we just did a special line of, you know, special colors or something like that. We'll show all the stuff hanging on the wall, freshly powder-coated, and, you know, <laughs> and just sort of keep people in tune with, like, what's happening in the shop, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of, like, functionally, you know, one of the, I was talking about Tony with this, is, like, I do sort of revisit this question of, like, you know, how can we make a MIDI controller social? You know, that, <laughs> um, that sounds like a scary question. Well, it's it's kind of a stupid question, but I also know that Something like I post
0: to Facebook. I just made a beat.
2: Well, yeah, I mean, you know, I don't know. Yeah, maybe I don't know. Maybe that would be a thing that people did. Um, and or it's you know, like
0: Spotify. Uh, Peter is making sick ass beats, <laughs> it just like says in your ticker.
2: Sure, I. I Maybe you know, and how could that be sort of integrated into this? I don't know if that's relevant, but I
1: asked that question. Maybe you could in a while. virtually fire off the exact same thing on some website that would be firing off on
2: right just MIDI data. Um, but I don't know. Like yeah. I do have all of our editors' stuff, like for controlling the settings on all of our controllers, is done in the browser now. So you go to a website to edit the settings on this. So that's a nice, a really nice start because. Huh. Um, now we have the controller talking to our browser, so maybe that 's the first step and how I progress with that i 'm not sure i think I think ultimately it 's going to be really nice to be able to develop some you know like web audio toys that I can you know you can plug in your controller and dink around and make a little beat or something like that um, and you know maybe share it with people on facebook i mean that 's sort of like the obvious thing it doesn't it doesn 't seem to have that that depth of emotion that I really like from art but um, <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Maybe there's something to start there with. I don't know, Tony. How is Ableton grasping, punching? That's hugging, that's
1: a, social. it's very similar. To, I mean it's a huge part of um, of our world. That's the that's the community, and it is the way that we uh, communicate with our user, our, you know our users. Um, we we like to celebrate um, artists and their stories. So interesting stories is a key thing, and it's not about it. You know, it's more about what they're doing, the music that they're creating, the performance, and um, you know. So that's and then useful things that are that are educational to the community as well. Maybe Mm -hmm. it's somebody has come up with a clever way to to use you know some devices or they come with an interesting uh, instrument rack or I don't know whatever interesting Max for Live patch. Um, And you want to tell your yeah we tell tell this yeah tell the story and then again you have the the normal things if you want to do like a sale or a promotion or something like that but it really is focused on the on the artistry so
0: looking at your web presence um your guys are telling the stories that like mix magazine used to tell Mm -hmm. before they got so skinny that they couldn't tell those stories have you guys noticed that Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah i mean it's
2: i mean on one hand it's great you know because it's I mean, it's great from the sense of like that we're able to tell these stories, we're able to, you know, I'm able to play the part of journalists and, you know, interview some users. They're like, somebody will post something on our Facebook site and it's just like, that's cool, you know? And then I'll get in touch with them and say like, hey, can I feature you on the blog? I want to ask more about what you did, how you did it, and how did you use our products? You know, but I mean, for, there's it also is sort of discouraging, you know, because we do have so much control over our message in that regard. You know, I like to think that I'm, I like to be an honest mediator about this stuff and sort of focus on the content, but it is still, it's like, you know, from a more of a global perspective, it's like we're sort of turning over the reins to, you know, big corporations like yeah. instruments, like uh, <laughs> the smashing
0: pumpkins brought to you by Colgate. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's, that was, yeah. that's how it used to be in the twenties and thirties yeah. before yeah. sort of all this. So it's sort of come full circle and now you guys call the shots. I saw four Ted on your site. He looked yep. great. Um, what, uh, Tony, what message did you want to bring to San Francisco music technology uh, uh, guests today?
1: Um, I think the, the two key things would be keep it simple and never underestimate workflow, uh, the importance of workflow. So it's not how many gadgets you have. Um, you know, it's how can I be efficient at, what, what is my ultimate goal? Why did I even buy this? Why did I, why am I even using this controller or a push or anything from anyone? It's because I wanted to make music and um, you know, a lot of the time something might not feel like it's working for you from a workflow perspective. And there could be a couple reasons. One, the workflow could be flawed. Two, it might not be the appropriate workflow for you. And I, th- I think, um, you know, that's what, I, that's what I would take away. Keep it simple because usually when you make it uh, complex, it becomes complex and you become inefficient. And, um, and then, you know, the, the, it really boils down all to, to workflow. How you can make music,
0: Peter. Same question.
2: Um, I think you know, for from my perspective, like I've been to SF Music Tech one time before, and I've always sort of had my eye on it. And it's a lot of it has to do with sort of promotion and communication and distribution and uh, legal aspects of music making, um, and not so much production. Um, And all of this, a lot of it is just like, how do we manage all of these? You know, really turbulent things that are happening in the music business. um, I think the thing I want everyone to realize is that, well, there's all these new ways of talking about music, but there's a lot of new new ways to make music. And I think that's, you know, where Livid comes in, and, you know, especially with, you know, one of our biggest user bases is with Ableton Live, and that's because it enables all of these, like, sort of you know, great ways of discovering and getting control over your sounds and letting your sounds sort of control you, too. Um, as, you know, we were saying in the green room, it was a little bit about discovery um, and sort of finding out what these things can do. Uh, it's a different type of virtuosity than you get with a violin, um, which is a lot of, you know, a violin or a piano, which is a lot of physical virtuosity, and now there's a sort of resourcefulness and uh, mental virtuosity that I think... You know, we see it, we kind of need to pay attention to when we're working with electronic music. And I think that sort of speaks to, you know, what you were talking about too. It's like, you know, I, keep I, it simple so you can become a virtuoso, you know, and part of it is just, you know, taking those distinct steps. Those steps.
1: Out of curiosity, because you just, how many of you are musicians in bands? How many of you use uh, Livid products? Livid user? Anybody an Ableton user? <laughs>
0: That's not fair to me. I didn't mean it like that. No, <laughs> I'm on to you there.
1: I didn't mean it that way at all. I'm I just was curious. There. I just want to say
2: I have a lot more growth opportunities here, okay? Yeah, that's right.
1: <laughs> he does. I'm 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 a future customer right now. No. I meant th- I no, I just was curious because you you brought up a good point and I just wanted to have been yapping, and I don't know who the
2: audience is.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's a, it's, we probably should have opened with that, because a lot of times I, I like... I was thinking about it, but yeah, anytime I didn't I, want to set up the Tony versus no, uh, it's, it's Peter more. handoff. No, that's then, fine. You know, um, Liar. I'm not you embarrassed know, you that we're uh, small. You Liars. Simplicity <laughs> and keep it simple. You warped my words. <laughs> and I'm still terribly intimidated by the li- livid base, and Ableton in general, just because I'm a dabbler and an amateur. And... Um, and it seems really complex to wade in without the tutorials and everything. Um, how how long does it take to learn the livid base? Uh, I'm
2: I'm totally the last person to, you know, because this is sort of you, this is my baby
0: that I've been, you know, sort of. You have a degree in math and physics. <laughs> yeah,
2: and I dream, you know, I've been dreaming about making a controller like this. Do I need and, a degree in math and? No, physics I don't stuff? think so. But you know, I'm.
0: Uh, it was helpful though, right? Uh, n-
2: no, actually. <laughs> No, you don't need to know about you know spring constants, or you don't need to know about differentiation or integration to yeah. do anything with this. It's really just a matter of following some directions, really. And 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 you know, I I think part of it is um, I had a, I was on a panel at Decibel Festival just a few days ago, and he, there was a question about like community building and part of it is there's a there's a sort of natural community that rises around these because if you're going to use it you probably are going to have a question and you're going to have to ask us a you know of them. um or come to come you know we have a forum we have our facebook page we have our twitter page and we can and we have our you know online ticketing system and um you know we can all start those are vibrant yeah absolutely absolutely you know um and for people who are incredibly lost, I'll even, you know, get on their computer remotely and say, like, okay, here's how you need to set it up, you know, and
1: give them tips and stuff, but
2: do that's you, pretty rare. Tony, <laughs> do you consider
0: um, the depth and power of Ableton as a barrier to entry for some people?
1: Uh, I mean, there are times, yeah, we, we run into people that just, I just don't get, you know, I don't get live, and... um it kind of goes back to that whole thing of workflow because it is a specific workflow, mm-hmm. and it's a it's a creative workflow versus an engineer's workflow. Mm-hmm. And I think um, and it's and it's not linear necessarily. It, it can be, but it, not necessarily. And I think that's where you you get people will have a you know get caught. They're they're used to something that moves from point A to point B, mm-hmm. and they're just like I don't get this. But what I've also seen quite often is that aha moment. When all of a sudden it dawns on them what you what you can do, and the creative potential behind it that just is like it's, it's fun to watch. It's fun to experience. Mm-hmm.
2: I, I'm constantly amazed at like the setups people have in live. Like because I have a way of working in it that's pretty straightforward. Um, I'm not really producing a lot of tracks except for you know the occasional demo mm-hmm. video or demo project or whatever. So things are pretty straightforward in my scenarios. Um, you know, but like at, at Decibel, there were, we got a lot of like artists showing what you know what they did behind the scenes and it's like oh i've got all this stuff in drum racks and it's just like this extremely like focused on drum rack workflow you know and then there's another person who has you know a lot of clips um you know and another person who's using synths all the time you know right. so it's just it's just like mind-blowing i'm like it, you it, can do that it can, yeah <laughs>
1: and, it, and it can be mind-blowing but that's but it's also it's also simple on the surface and that's what's great too is that you're you're 100 correct that it it can be mind-blowing, but you can keep it very simple on the surface, and that's at the same time too. I'm amazed sometimes you'll, we'll, um, you know, meet up with a, a user, an artist that's you know using Live, and in our minds we think you know oh they probably do this and this and this, and then you sit down and and it's very simple. It's like, it's like I only do everything in the arrangement view. <laughs> that's the only view that you work in, or you know. Yeah. And so so you'll see, yeah, you'll just see some things that. Um, You know, that will will surprise you. Sort of
0: very idiosyncratic ways of using um, this broad Mm. technology.
2: Well, I think I think part of it is because it is there's a lot of openness within live, and like, Mm and so that you know people who are maybe like yourself, you know, come come to it from an amateur perspective, will find a few. Avenues that actually work for them, and then just keep going down those avenues. And it doesn't. Yeah. And and you you actually are works. allowed to do those things. You mm-hmm. know, it's not like you're just going to hit a cul-de-sac on some. Right. I mean, some. Of course, you're going to hit cul-de-sacs. But, but
0: there's always this sneaking suspicion that I should have taken a theory class and established some type of systematic framework. I
2: have that problem every day when programming. So okay, I, well, know. if you have it. Yeah. yeah I, and I'm. You know, we're releasing stuff that people use on
1: a daily basis. I so. should, have <laughs> should have paid attention <laughs> to music class.
0: <laughs> I mean, you can know all the music theory you want, but if you don't. Understand the theory of Ableton workflow. You're going to be, you're going to, you're going to have to figure that out eventually.
1: Sure, but, I mean, but that's with anything. I sure. think anything that's worth, worth its while, you well, have Guitar to doesn't
0: have a workflow. It's just a good, right, right. I don't know. I mean, there might well, be.
3: they're the unique well, yeah, them. yeah, yeah.
1: Exactly. Totally. Um, and that's the thing with. I mean, the interesting thing for us with Push being so integrated that there's people that'll sit down at Push that have no idea what Live is necessarily, and'll and'll you know, create music with that and then after the fact go, oh, well, it's live that, you know, that's powering this because it's a, it's, it's a dumb device. There's nothing, mm-hmm. there's no intelligence in, in the hardware itself. Mm-hmm. So,
0: um, Lastly, and then we'll open up to questions. You mentioned um, about the task of solving problems and not wanting to solve a problem that's already been solved. What do you see broadly as the unsolved problems in, 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 for Livid and uh, for Ableton?
2: Uh, I think for Livid, there's a, you know, I think there's sort of a way, of, you know, for us, there's the problem of just sort of reining in like all of these, you know, different softwares and different workflows and different possibilities, and you know, how can we can how can we make it more accessible? I think that's always something we struggle with. Um, in the broader sense, in the world of um, control and real time performance and you know digital media performance, uh, there's the the issue of um, you know we're still there's still the problem of there being a computer on stage and people doing things that are mystic, mysterious you know there's it's with the, the the sort of electronic musician you know using a controller on stage to perform a lot of times is sort of a shamanistic type performance you know it's it's there's a lot of ritual but it's not like It's not like a band where you see the drummer hit a cymbal and the guitarist, you know, do this. And he's up on the high frets. He's up on the low, down on the low frets. Um, There's so much, so much more to access and, you know, visually. Um, So I think, you know, that's going to be, that's going to be one of our big tasks is to continue to make live performance engaging, you know. Um, And not only for the, you know, right now we're trying to make live performance possible, but we also want to, now we need to make it more engaging for the people in the audience. So.
0: A little hand cam that looks up from the device at you while you just your face <laughs> and your hands are yeah. just you know,
1: I don't know. No, I, th- I think that's the same, you know, uh, looking at what we, the challenges that we need to solve that, that are, you know, that users have within the software, how we can improve the workflow. And, but do that without making it over complicated, you know, that all of a sudden, and I'm I'm sure, Many of you' have bought a software or maybe you were even a long time user of a software and a new version comes out and you're you know, like, "Where is everything? Where did it all go and I mean if you essentially if you look at you know at, at live it it looks the same for the most part i mean there are there are definitely you know a few things here and there but it basically is the same and I think you know the more that you add into it um it's how to do that but to do it in a simple fashion. I mean, that's one of, I think that's one of our c- concerns. And I think even, you know, then beyond that long um, staying relevant to our users. I mean, you can't, there's n- no point when you go, well, you know, did it, we did it. Yeah. <laughs> it's not, we, we were never.
2: Yeah. But it's, and it's also, it yeah, way. it's also hard because it's like you want to innovate, but you also have this sort of legacy that you need to respect, which, you know, forces conservatism. And so there's exactly. that tension it's the of like... the balance between the two. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I, and it's uh, refreshing, too, that that comes, you know, from the top, top down, too. It's refreshing to hear that
0: the people who make the software and hardware struggle with the same issues of innovation versus conservatism that a lot of their musicians are, you know, dealing yeah. with in, in the bands themselves. So I think we have 15 minutes for Q&A. Do people have questions? Raise your hands if you have questions. Can
3: please speak into this microphone. Hey, so uh, my question is kind of for both of you guys. Um, I know Ableton has the APC40, and Livid makes all sorts of customizable controllers. I was wondering if you guys ever thought of, like, partnering on a controller.
1: I, I, th- I think it would be interesting. I think it would be interesting, too. I was kind of surprised
2: that we didn't partner on Push. <laughs> because I know... <laughs> <laughs> <Wow. I feel laughs> to be so honest bad. I feel bad. but uh but actually it is kind of funny though because push was actually was uh, prototyped with some of our diy stuff yep. so it you know it was. there was an indirect partnering but you know one of these days i think i think probably i think i can see it happening over the, in the course of years you know hopefully we can yep. you know make our ships tack in the same wind
0: can i uh add a follow-up to your question which is that um Backstage, you were saying that Ableton and Livid don't directly work together, although Livid controllers use Ableton, mm-hmm. and Ableton counts on all the people who make MIDI controllers to use uh, use it with Ableton. Um, is Tell me about that vibe industry-wide. Is Is the ecosystem at war with each other and incompatible? Does everyone sing Kumbaya? Probably somewhere in the middle.
1: Probably... Somewhere in the middle, maybe. It, I mean, it, it goes through. I think Midi it goes like through cycles it's too. It's like y- yeah. there's a
0: honeymoon, and then it depends. And
1: then and the well, divorce. Yeah. I mean, it, it depends. Separation, like, think, and then you know, it separation. depends on
2: the the company. Like, if a company yeah. has both hardware and software, then we're probably not going to be so kumbaya with them. And like, it's right. good that we've you know, like I I know the founders of you know a lot of people who are early in Ableton, and I think that we also share a lot of the same ideas about you know, modern music and I've been influenced by a lot of the same things. Exactly. And we could hang out and listen to music and we'd be like, Oh, that's a great track, you know? <laughs> so I think that's probably helped us a lot, you know, like in keeping respect and mm-hmm. keeping, you know, keeping it from being a, a an antagonistic thing. Um, with native instruments, like we don't talk too much to native instruments and we don't have a very little relationship with them, you know? Um, but with propeller heads, it's good, you know, because we don't, we only, they only benefit from a relationship mm. with us. So, um, and you know, it depends on, other, it does other companies depend like that.
1: upon the, the mindset and the view within the, the companies because yeah. that, you know, that's exactly what ultimately is going to dictate it. So, yeah. And if they feel, you know, even though we might have, look, like we're competitors at a certain level, um, we're also very friendly and we also realize that, uh, many of our users are using, you know, both of our products. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, And we're still young in the you know young in the game as far as push goes.
0: Mm -hmm. So, do you think it's getting better, Um, more community, more commenty, or worse? Um, uh, You know, proprietary formats and proprietary languages and the death of MIDI or something.
2: Uh, Well, it definitely complicates our end a little bit because you know we do know. I mean, just from a sort of straight like from a from a sort of uh, subject objective level it's like well, Ableton has their own hardware, they have their integration, and it's not open and we're sort of forced to you know in order for our scripts to work in Ableton, we have to do a lot of back end work and a lot of custom you know, stuff that yeah, you have we don't to do. we don't get yeah, we have to do a lot of custom stuff and we have to do a lot of work in order for us to, our stuff to work, and there's no guarantee that with the next revision things aren't going to break you know we don't have that assurance, uh, so it's always sort of a you know a shaky it's, foundation yeah. though
1: but we always are pretty pretty open to help I mean that's the thing it's we're not like sorry we're not going to help you <laughs> right but, I mean right. we do we do try, definitely try to I mean would you give us the decompiled Python scripts <laughs> <laughs>
0: you know meet, meet me in a dark alley careful he lives in LA Now. that's right there's a lot of dark alleys that's right uh, we had other questions uh, Rusty sorry to do your job um, this
2: is for Tony. Uh, a lot of DJs who traditionally use things like Serato or even played, you know, LPs, records, and uh, CDs started what? using Ableton for playing back their music
1: tracks. Did you guys see that coming, and were you surprised when it happened? Um, you know, I have to I have to think back. Um, so my, it, it, the interesting thing is that my relationship with Ableton actually goes back to the very first one because we, I, I uh, worked for the company that was their first distributor in the U.S. And I think they were very – it was very much electronic music. And um, I think there were a lot of things that surprised them um, that, you know, how people would use it, especially in different environments outside, outside of the cocoon, you know, maybe of Berlin. Um, with regards to that specific thing, I I don't, I, I don't know if they I, – I don't remember them going, what, DJs want to use this? Yeah, uh, I just remember when I first started noticing it is when people who were musicians who were invited to play out at clubs and yep. DJ – and they're like, "Oh, I'm not good at DJing." They said, "Oh, I just set my whole setup in live." Yeah, I think what we, what, you know, if memory serves me correct, we initially saw that was like one of the f- first groups to m-
0: get it, like you know, that understand, like, "Oh, wow, I know what I can do with this." And yeah, okay. just to clarify, Rusty, they're not not spinning records and sending and sending into their computer. They're just doing everything in the laptop. Yeah, everything. everything in the so com- sort of the, the box. rise of laptop yeah. DJs as we know it.
3: Um, I'm someone who is sort of raised on Warp Records and is also a professional dabbler. And the point of everything since shareware trackers like Impulse Tracker up through Maximus P and then Ableton has been to try to get the sound that's inside of your head out. And nothing's ever really worked for me personally. And um, this might be going off the deep end, but there's been a lot of progress made in mapping visual cortex and getting the thoughts and the visuals that are inside of your head out. And I'm wondering if you've
0: thought about um, <laughs> mapping the oral cortex or if, and using the brain as a MIDI controller. It sounds uh, I'll crazy. I'll leave that but to the Germans. Yeah. It, it sound, I mean, it's just, it, it seems like that's the point of software like Ableton and MaxMSP in the end. interfaces. Come on, guys. Come on. It's on your
2: TV list. Yeah, yeah. I, I, well, I've definitely, you know, as, as someone who is you who know, has his heart close to the experimental community, I've definitely seen work. That involves that and there actually was a guy and we had a contest for the DIY for our DIY stuff and he he used the um it's like some toy that uses you know uh it's like a star wars uh, what's that it's like a star wars jedi mind power thing and it has like a little you know you use your brain to power a fan and then he used like a little led sensor to you know detect the 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 Detect the, the where that that ball was moving in the fan, then he used that through our one of our DIY. Things. Anyway, so um, so he can
0: make a theremin with his mind. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs>
2: exactly. So that, that was really funny, but that's <laughs> tangential. And there's actually a group in there's a meetup in uh, the Bay Area called I think it's like Brain VJ or something like that. That is like it's all about like it was started by a Japanese guy who's interested in these uh, brain. Uh, computer interfaces and you know trying to figure out ways of mapping that to this is the digital area media. To into that
0: for sure yeah
2: but well, i don't know sense? i mean it's just you know so much it it's like so antithetical it seems to me because anything you get from that is going to be so um interpreted you know i you know as far as like that that's just a lot better <laughs> i mean unless the unless this you know I, that's we were talking about this earlier is like, you know, part of electronic music and part of what new music is about is the fact that you give yourself up to the machine. And there's a lot of discovery that has to happen about what's in the machine. You have to learn these devices. You have to, you know, you, you come across mistakes and those mistakes inform your process and inform your sound, you know? Um, so uh, you know, I think that would just be another step of that because all of the, interpret interpret interpretation of the signals from your brain are going to be just they're gonna be very interpret interpreted. I, you know. Yeah. I don't see yeah. anything as distinct as, you know, as this.
0: Kind
2: of find the sound. Yeah, and being able to turn things and interact You know, it's like I have a one year old son and you know, over the past year it's like watching him you know get used to the world like the first things he does is just like grab a, he, you know it's like my here's a noun i must verb it you know it's like and it's all with his hands and he's starting to understand the he words. eats it all everything yeah, goes yeah. in the mouth in the mouth in the mouth but it's like you know he's there's still a lot of just how does an object move in space and any it, any
0: more questions out there And then, and then the guy in the back right here, because he was fast. He was like, "Yeah, <laughs> How's it going? Hi. Great, Great to be here.
3: So uh, just a quick question. Why did David mention the death of MIDI?
0: I, d- I just I threw that out there.
3: That was my question. I thought there was some new technology arising or somehow no, no, that was being phased out. No, it was being just being out. sensational.
0: Because it seems so fundamental. Yeah. It would be like right. saying the death of carbon. Right. Wow. Okay.
3: Gotcha. Uh, uh, the
2: death of carbon. Okay, thanks. <laughs> MIDI's not different. quite
0: carbon, but I suppose it is an element. Is there going to be a replacement for MIDI, guys? Is that a, a really old, dumb argument that people always have? I have no idea. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's. Because it facilitates so much. Yeah. yeah, we'd be dead without it,
3: so I don't know. <laughs> All right, we have three minutes left for questions. Hi, uh, my name is Jim, and this question is for Tony. Um, so would you ever recommend Ableton to a newbie to music production?
1: Would I ever recommend uh, Ableton to a newbie? You mean from an engineering perspective or, uh, or just production in general?
3: Well, um, I'll give you my story. So okay. I was, I love EDM. I've been listening to it for quite a while. And I'm young, so that really doesn't say much. But regardless, um, I was like, so I walked in all high and muddy into Guitar Center. I was like, hey, I want to make EDM. And then the good people at Guitar Center, as they are so good at selling you shit, uh, come up to me and they're like, yeah, yeah, we have Ableton. You know, like Tiesto uses it. All these great guys use it. I was like, oh, that's awesome. So I went home and I opened up my laptop. And then at three o'clock in the morning, I was about to bash my head on the keyboard because I was like, what the fuck am I doing? But, um, I mean, it's like you said, I, I think with anything there is such a journey in discovering the software itself. And, you know, there are those millions and millions of instances where you do want to bash your head, but then you have that breakthrough moment that makes it all worth it. Mm-hmm. But um, I guess my question to you is, like, does Ableton want to make efforts or have there been efforts to kind of lower that um, barrier to entry? I I think that...
1: Uh, what- Okay, so to answer your question, I, I would recommend it to someone, but I would I would want to understand where they're coming from first, and then if I did recommend it to someone, I would want to point them to some of the things that could help guide them. And I think one of the interesting things within Live, um, you know, from the get go, uh, was the Info View window and the Help View, which were the built-in lessons to live and InfoView I mean I don't know how many get a piece of software and you cursor over something and you're like "What does this do and even if they have the name in there it's the blah 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 you're like okay but what is the blah 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 and <laughs> down there you know in the InfoView it tells you that this is the blah 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 and the blah 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 does blah 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 blah. and you know if I to, if I bought if I have a keyboard and I want to hook that up or if I have a con- you know a controller and I want to hook that up and I want to want to know how to do that I can walk through the lessons so I think that um, – I'm not saying – and I'm not here to say that live is the right software. I mean, again, I'm 100% an advocate, whatever whatever tool to make music. So if that's paper and pencil, if it's a tape recorder, or if it's just sitting on a street corner and playing music, then that's the way you should do it. But I do think – I do. I believe – I'm confident enough then in the uh, creative workflow and the way that it's designed that it would – be a good solution for a lot of people that want to start doing music production.
2: I mean, I I kind of can't think of something that would be, you know, better per se, because it's like, or, you know, not that it's the best, but I can't think it would be, you know, there's a lot of...
1: It's
0: the best.
2: Yeah, 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 but but, I mean, there's just, there's a lot of options, but they all have their crazy black holes. That's that's what it comes down to. They all do.
0: Everybody, can I get a round of applause for Tony McCall and Peter Nyborg? Thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks. Thanks, you guys.